The land ahead was Peru. The city was Caimaca. But what the Spanish knew even less was that this land of gold was much more than a land. It was an empire of millions. The empire of the Incas. And their leader, Atahualpa, was a man who reveled in war and looked forward to every battle. He was tall, with wide shoulders, and he walked like a king even when he was a child. He saw blood in all things, and as he made his strolls from the dense green lush of the impenetrable jungles of Vilcabamba to the grand and mighty city of Cusco, and then through the snow and ice of the south cliffs of the Andes, Atahualpa meditated and waited for blood to fall down from the sky. Death was never a rarity, and deep down, Atahualpa knew that it was beautiful. Atahualpa thought about his own death many times over. His father told him to prepare for that day since he was a little boy, and ever since he was looking forward to it. There was always an eerie calm in this way of thinking, and he imagined his death would come in battle. In his mind, there was no other place. He imagined a spike ramming through his flesh, and could sometimes feel the gush of his own blood spew over. He imagined the seconds where the world would spin, and the faces of his ancestors would appear through the dark clouds. And when it felt right, he would finally rejoin them, and all below would sympathize, and another king would be crowned, and the cycle would repeat itself. And on nights where he saw the stars peek out from the horizon, he sensed all that was his beloved land. It was worth fighting for, he thought, and again, if necessary. His brother Manco joined him later that day, the day before Apachacute. They sifted through the thick jungle canopy and ate whatever the jungle had to offer, and in the evening, Atahualpa and Manco walked along the base of the mountains to meet the shaman. They ate berries and overripe aguajes. Atahualpa looked peaceful as he gazed over the sacred hills, and as he tried to quell his exhaustion, he sang an old, lilting song. Manco, on the other hand, looked quite disturbed as he saw the gray clouds emerge from Machu Picchu, for he had spoken with the shaman a week prior and was informed of the bad news. He repeated the conversation over and over again in his mind and tried to relay it to Altahualpa, but he failed to gain his interest. Word for word came back to Manco. It came in dreams and visions and haunted him for days. Apachacute. The world turned upside down. But Altawalpa needed to hear from the shaman himself. So they waited beyond the yellow brook, and for an hour they heard a storm rumble through the land. Soon rain poured onto the valley, and the temple walls were spewed with mud. As the rain subsided, Atahualpa and Manco waited another two hours. They rested on rock, gave in to the tranquil rhythm of the stream, and waited another hour. Yet another hour elapsed. There was still no sign of the shaman. The clouds turned black, and the storm raged beyond the Andes, and the rain fell again. But still, the shaman did not show. 
Later, the two were met by Waman Poma, Atahualpa's friend and prime advisor. He too shared the terrible dream that Manco had dreamt. He told Atahualpa that he prayed and stared at the peaks, and in his slumber he dreamt of evil spirits crawling into the land and taking over and claiming it for themselves. He dreamed of ghosts riding strange beasts. He dreamt that the sun had disappeared and that the air was permeated by a devastating hum, a hum not of this natural world. And as the dream continued, all was lost in the aging fog, and their Inca gods were nowhere to be found. The more his people prayed, the more they had felt completely abandoned. The world was gray and cold, and its people lost the will to live. The next day, Waman Poma joined Manco and Altawalpa on the mountain summit, and there they finally met the shaman and prayed to Rikakwake, their god of ice. The shaman healed those who needed to be healed, and later a ceremony commenced, and the ayahuasca was brewed. The shaman rattled his stick, and in the silver starlight, he sang and repeated the sacred Ikiros and all fell into rhythm. Then all fell into the void. They dreamt in unison. They breathed heavily and saw their ancestors travel amongst the high amber flames of the fire. Inside the flames, they saw the warnings, and their language went on without words. The visions began, and indeed it was the same vision both Waman Poma and Manco had dreamt. Apachacute. The world turned upside down. The land they loved disappeared, and their spirits vanquished. Then all went black and gray. The light returned, and black dragons swallowed the trees. Then the Incas vomited and felt their skulls rot from inside, and all went black again. The next day, the shaman disappeared, Manco and Waman Poma fretted and watched their steps very carefully. They set out scouts to patrol the limits of Karimaka. Then they set up another meeting with Altawalpa to discuss further matters. But to their surprise, Altawalpa was nowhere to be found. An hour later, they found Altawalpa by a stream. He was with his children, and he caught fish with his bare hands. Then he greeted Manco and Waman Poma with a smile. Did you send the scouts, said Altawalpa. All of them, said Manco. Good, said Altawalpa. They haven't returned, said Manco. They shall return, said Altawalpa. Manco, you are trembling. What is it? These spirits, there. They'll come in their own time. Now is not the time to worry. Now is the time to eat. So they ate and dined together like always on late summer nights, and the whole royal Inca family was together once again. Few knew that it would be the last time. Even fewer knew the hell that was in store for them. Because an hour later, Waman Poma found the Spanish fires. He smelled their scents and heard their voices. And as he hastened back to Caremaca to inform Atahualpa, he had lost his breath, trembled, and collapsed to the ground. When he got up, his hands were still trembling. 
He tried to explain, but the words had failed him, for the nightmare had morphed into reality. The fear was embedded in the facts. The fear was present, and the fear was now. They had arrived.